are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is Michelle Jewell Shaw, teacher, photographer, mom, and chairperson of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Jeremy, and hello to all of our listeners out there. Today is August 20th, 2023, and this is episode 239 of Lighthearted. In a few minutes, we'll listen to an interview about an effort to preserve a historic lighthouse keeper's house at Slip Point in the state of Washington. We're also going to hear some clips of a lighthouse keeper's son that I recorded more than 30 years ago. First, I want to thank everyone who entered the U.S. Lighthouse Society's first ever National Lighthouse Day Dance Contest. We got a good number of entries, and the judging is happening as we speak. So, Michelle, uh, you and I took part in a dancing session at Portsmouth Harbor Light. I thought it was fun. Do you agree? I absolutely do agree. I thought it was, we had a great time. A lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. So would you recommend, I'm pretty sure we're going to do this again next year. Would you recommend to everybody listening that they they dance at a lighthouse when we do this again next year? Definitely. It was so much fun. Yeah. And the other entries, uh, I think when uh, people see them eventually, they'll see that everybody had so much fun doing this. Uh, And that was, I'd say, the number one idea behind the whole thing, you know? Yeah. I sort of feel like there's not enough fun in our world there today. There needs to be more fun. Yes. Yeah, yeah, more fun, togetherness, and spirit, and uh, demonstrating our love for lighthouses, you know. Exactly. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. So nope. uh, thank you again to everybody who entered the dance contest. Uh, I've got some ideas already about how we might do things a little even even better for next year. So everybody should watch for those announcements. Uh, also, Michelle, I know you went on an interesting trip last weekend. Where where was that? You went? Where, where did you go and what did you do? So last weekend, my daughter and I went to New York City um, to see the Jonas Brothers at Yankee Stadium. So mm-hmm. we got there Friday afternoon and stayed for the weekend. We stayed right in Times Square. So we got to explore lots lots of parts of the city. And, and then we saw them. We went to Yankee Stadium Saturday night for the show and it was amazing. So my daughter, you know has been a big fan of the Jonas Brothers since she was nine years old. So she's <laughs> she's kind of grown up with them as they've grown up as well. So it was fun. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was, was a great time. Did you do a lot of screaming? I concert? did do a lot of screaming. So <laughs> um, my voice might still be a little bit hoarse from that. <laughs> and I well, may have good. done a lot of singing and dancing as well. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Yankee Stadium. I mean, were there like 50,000 people at the concert? There are so many. Like I think it was like 60,000. Holy so, cow. So yeah, they were just, they had us packed right in there too. We mm-hmm. were, and we had, we had floor seats. So we had um, pretty good seats. Wow. Yeah. I haven't been to a concert of that scale since, uh, uh, date myself a little bit, but I think it's pretty close to 50 years ago, a Grateful Dead concert at the University of Massachusetts. Amherst. Oh, wow. It's like, like a legendary concert. Yeah, I bet. People. That was incredible. But it wasn't as big as that. That that stadium is not as big as Yankee Stadium. So, wow. Yeah. What I also experience. had my first ever subway ride um, oh, wow. to mm-hmm. and from the concert. So that was that was interesting. So Yeah. Well, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, I've had a couple of interesting trips lately. I went to Graves Light in Boston Harbor last week. I got to see more of the amazing work that Dave Waller, uh, the owner of Graves Light, has done there. It's absolutely incredible what he's done. Uh, watch for more news. I, I am going to be uh, posting, I think, both a video and a, and a podcast version of a talk with him about 
the new lens in Graveslide. I won't say more about it right now, but it's all very exciting. And also yesterday I went to Thatcher Island off Cape Ann, Mass., with Sarah McHugh, who has uh, co-hosted a few episodes of this podcast and done a couple of videos with me in the past. So so watch the USLHS YouTube channel for a video of our visit there. Uh, I know we haven't been able to spend much time at Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse this year because of storm damage, Michelle, but have you visited any other lighthouses this summer? Um, I've taken my annual ride by the Nubble, um, but other than that, I haven't, I haven't been out to any lighthouses this summer. We haven't had the best weather around these parts this summer. So this is true. Yeah. Yeah. I was pretty lucky with these last two trips I did, although leaving graves light, the wind and waves were really picking up. And that was, that was interesting. <laughs> tell that you sounds that. like a great trip though. It was fantastic, but um, I don't know how many more exciting, uh, you know, getting on and off of lighthouses like that. I don't know how many more of those yeah. I can take. I'm not getting any younger in case, uh, <laughs> in case you haven't noticed, but, um, but it was, it was sure worth it. It was, <laughs> well, in my, my mind, maybe. But anyway, it was great. So let's get to our first interview for today. Uh, so Michelle, please help me introduce Slip Point Light Station and our guests. Sure, Jeremy. The Strait of Juan de Fuca is a body of water that is the Salish Sea's main outlet to the Pacific Ocean. The center of the strait constitutes the international boundary between Canada and the state of Washington in the United States. Clallam Bay is an indentation on the south side of the strait, about 30 miles from its mouth. Slip Point is at the east end of Clallam Bay. In the early 1900s, there was a 60-mile gap with no lighthouses on the Strait of Juan de Fuca. A fog signal was established at Slip Point in 1905, but the first congressional appropriation for a light at the point wasn't enough for the construction of a lighthouse. A lantern was hung on the fog signal building to provide a navigational light until another appropriation paid for the addition of a lighthouse tower in 1916. The square wooden tower was attached to the west side of the fog signal building, Keepers had to traverse a long wooden footbridge to get from the keeper's house to the lighthouse. Slip Point Lighthouse was replaced in 1951 by a modern tower. After the light was automated in 1977, the duplex keeper's house has been used by Coast Guard personnel and the Clallam Bay County Sheriff's Department. In 2001, legislation was passed to transfer the light station to Clallam Bay Spit County Park, but the transfer still hasn't taken place. Local resident Susan Heine and her daughter Sarah Winter have formed a group called the Slip Point Lighthouse Keepers to work with the county to preserve the Keeper's House and its history. Also joining us along with Susan and Sarah is Carolyn Burdick, the group's historian. I enjoyed speaking with Susan, Sarah, and Carolyn using Zoom recently, so let's listen to that conversation now. I am speaking today with Susan Heine, her daughter, Sarah Winter Grafstrom, and Carolyn Burdick, who are all part of the, uh, the effort to save the Slip Point Light Station, which we're going to talk about, uh, obviously, today. Thanks so much for being with me today. Uh, I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for inviting us on. Let's start uh, maybe a little bit about your personal background before we get into the, the history of Slip Point and its light station and all that. Let's start with uh, Susan and Sarah. Could you just say a little bit about how you got started on the effort uh, with Slip Point? How did, the, how did this happen? Yeah. Um, so my mom, she raised us down at Slip Point uh, right down from the lighthouse and she made us walk the beach every day. Okay. And 
she started getting really interested in seeing this become a county park. And I've just, I've seen her working on this project and, and I didn't have time because my kids were um, still at home, but now they're gone. So I have time to help her with it. And so we're re reigniting this project. Yeah. I moved to Kuala Bay in 1981 down at Slip Point. So we were, we were down there every day. In um, the 90s, I started working for the Kuala County Parks. And uh, I just always wondered why this wasn't a, uh, a part of the Kuala Bay Parks. And it was uh, pretty much closed off to the public. You know, you had to have an appointment, could not enter the grounds. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it was being used as a rental for the sheriff's department at the time. And I just, just thought we should make this a park. And then, I don't know, it just, you know, things, life goes on and you, you lose your momentum. And now we're bringing it back up again. Yeah. Now, I understand that the two of you actually pretty much started the, the organization, the Slip Point Lighthouse Keepers, um, along with uh, maybe a few other people involved in the starting up too. And uh, Carolyn is with us today. Uh, Carolyn, were you also kind of uh, in on the, the start of the, uh, the organization? Yeah, yeah, but um, I, I wasn't the initiator at all. Mm -hmm. Sure, but you are considered uh, pretty much the historian for the group, is that correct? I've done a lot of uh, local history work with the Friends of the Fallen Bay Library. And okay. we have a photograph collection, and that's kind of inspired my interest in, in the whole area. Every group needs a historian, that's for sure. Let's uh, talk a bit about the, the history of the place. First of all, the, the light station had uh, resident keepers and families until it was automated in 1977, if I, if I have that correct. And I'm wondering if uh, since you started up this group, or, uh, or even before that, if you've had contacts with possibly ex-Coast uh, Guard keepers of the station uh, and or descendants of civilian keepers there, have you had any contact with those people? You know, since creating the Facebook uh, page recently, we I did ask for kind of a timeline. We're trying to put one together. And there was a really sweet story from a woman who lived there when she was a kid from 1980 to 1985. And uh, that a helicopter, a Coast Guard helicopter landed in the front yard and Santa Claus got out and brought them their gifts. And so we're slowly getting some some stories that way. We mostly know some of the, the sheriff's families that lived there in the past, mm -hmm. but not so many of the keepers' stories. Yeah. Well, they'll mm -hmm. probably come out of the, the woodwork, I think, more of these yeah. people as time goes on. Speaking of the keepers there and the, the period uh, when it was staffed by keepers and families, if there's anything else you want to mention, is there anything that kind of stands out from those years that you've heard about? Doing some research and some of the info that we got from uh, the United States Lighthouse Society, there's a picture of a, a keeper, but he wasn't our keeper, but I researched him, Oli, and, and if you look him up, there's some really sweet love letters that he was sending to um, his girlfriend who was down in Oregon. And so that, that stuff is, is coming up, and, but yeah, that's all I know about trying to find the history of it this only he was was he keeper at other washington lighthouses is that yeah he was tattooed so he in the 20s okay if you could clarify something for me 
and I'm not sure if there's a definitive answer to this, but maybe uh, maybe Carolyn knows knows the answer. But I know there was some confusion, or for me at least, there's some confusion about when the original lighthouse was destroyed. I've seen it in some sources that say it was replaced by a modern tower in 1951. I've also heard a reference to it possibly being destroyed in a landslide in 1940. Mm -hmm. I could not find any uh, reference to it being destroyed. Mm -hmm. It was placed in 51 and then 77 was when it was abandoned, the idea. But I didn't find anything about, about destruction. So the, the original lighthouse, which was originally a fog signal building, and then the lighthouse tower was added a little bit yeah. later, right? Uh, it was a very attractive building. So was that, when was that torn down? Do you know? I don't have any. No, we don't, we're, we're slowly getting this, this history, you know, um, from the community members. The uh, plate glass from the Fresno lens, we still have. I mean, oh. it's in the community, there's no frame to go with it, but the, but the pieces of glass were saved. So like individual prisms from the lens, that's what you have? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's mm -hmm. good. Uh, it probably was, I, I would guess it might have been smashed when it was removed, and uh, but somebody salvaged the, the prisms. Mm -hmm. so that's, that's, yeah. At this point, the lighthouse keeper's house is still standing, of course. Is there anything else left over from the light station still standing, or is that it? There, there's a garage that's a garage? Um, built up about the same time, and a little tiny privy. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's that, cool because there aren't many lighthouse. Yeah. <laughs> there aren't many lighthouse privies left, so that's actually a, of interest. Yeah. yeah. Really, I had no idea what it was. <laughs> Found uh -huh. out through these blueprints that that's what it was. I can't think of anything else that is historic. No. Yeah, I think there's mechanics, but that was built in the 70s. And that's about it. Yeah. There is this back that's cemented, and I have no idea what that is. But that yeah. looks like it was built in the 70s as well. See, we're putting it all together slowly, but um, yeah. I think that's where the generator was. Um, and that's a uh, picture of those women standing by that big generator. And that's what I'm thinking. Oh. Okay. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's all like putting a big puzzle together. I completely understand. Mm -hmm. I mean, even with a place like I'm involved here, I'm in New Hampshire and I'm very involved with Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse is about 15 minutes from my home. And I've been researching it for well over 20 years and I'm still always finding new pieces to the puzzle. And it's, right. a, well, it's a well documented place. And it goes, it goes back to 1771. So there's a wow. lot of pieces of the puzzle, you know, from all those years. So, but I completely understand it's never, you're never finished with this too. So, um, but you, I'm sure you'll find a lot more pieces to the puzzle. So uh, I was reading that the, uh, the, and again, I'm not sure if this is accurate, but that the wood from the lighthouse and also the long footbridge that uh, provided access from the keeper's house to the lighthouse for a long time, mm -hmm. I, I, I saw somewhere that they were sold as scrap. Do you know anything about that? What happened to all that? Yeah, there's there's rumor that it was brought to a local marina and used for uh, fill. And it sounds like maybe he might have salvaged some of the light lighthouse glass. Mm -hmm. But that we I really don't know much. Right. About. Yeah. And yeah. Dead now. Yeah. He... Well, at least it. I guess it survives in some form. Uh, it's but... right right across from from the lighthouse it's right across the bay 
from the lighthouse. The keeper's house, you uh, touched on this before, Susan, but uh, after the automation of the light in 1977 and the, the, the de-staffing of the light station by the Coast Guard, how has the keeper's house been used over the years? Well, it's been used mostly as a sheriff's rental and not very frequently. Usually one part of the duplex is used or the other part, but hardly anybody's been. And there's been nobody there for at least three years. Living. In the- living in, in the duplex. So it's really, it really has gone downhill. Mm-hmm. There's, been, there's been no work on it for years. And um, so when I found out that it, uh, the sheriffs had dropped the lease, with the Coast Guard, I thought we would we could try and get the lease, and um, I and we are still working on that. <laughs> These things don't tend to move really fast. I probably don't need oh. to tell you that. <laughs> yeah. no. In fact, I just got an email today from Beverly that um, that they have decided not to lease to us at this time. Okay, so, at this time. Well, that's the key phrase. So I, I said. So I'm a little disappointed. yeah but yeah it's due to the fact that it it just was put into the national um historical registry Mm -hmm. so i do believe we could still lease it i don't think that that's a a legality that keeps us from being able to lease it i think it's just a another hurdle we have to go over yeah yeah well just be persistent you'll you'll get there oh my gosh (laughs) <laughs> she's been working on this for so long yeah <laughs> how how many years have you been working on it since the first well, first push 20 it's more than 20 years isn't it well it's i started uh back in the 90s and then um i gave it up because it was you know difficult <laughs> and so i just started last year when i found out that the our two yeah last summer mm-hmm. so 2022 i started I found um, the the email to the to the woman that um, is the lease, you know, the senior leasing person <laughs> in the, in the West Coast, and I called her, and it really sounded encouraging in the beginning, like, oh yeah, you could you can totally lease this, mm-hmm. and and so I've been working with her for a year, and and then the sheriff's department decided to re up their lease. And I don't know. They still don't have a lease yet, though. The water's got muddy. <laughs> the, uh, so anyway, we're still working at it. But um, yeah, it's an uphill climb. <laughs> yeah. One thing that occurs to me, I wonder if there might be issues with uh, contamination with lead paint, either <laughs> in, on the building and possibly in the soil as well. Yes. Yeah. Because that. Yeah. that I know in a number of cases, that's prevented the transfer or, or or leasing of property by the Coast Guard to other other groups. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. And we have the reports, um, you know, from the testing that's already been done, but I believe that was done in 2006. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're looking to just, you know, protect the grounds, you know, uh, do, do some cleanup, take pictures, just get the community involved. At this point, we're not looking to get in there and start cleaning up the actual lead paint tile you know well that has to be done by a by a contractor of course is qualified to do that yeah you know so so Clallam county can see 
the vision for this to be a community involved project and not just the Qualam County Parks mm-hmm. uh, Sheriff's place. Yeah. Yeah. That- yeah. So, Susan, you mentioned the house being uh, neglected for a while now and not being in great shape. Uh, if we just get a little bit more specific, is it um, is it mostly cosmetic or is it really need a, a huge amount of work, would you say? Yeah. We had a community meeting and um, the new sheriff, Brian King, came out and he had a key to the building. Mm-hmm. And so after the meeting, we were able to walk through it and the bones of the building look good. They just, you know, it's a beautiful old, you know, turn of the century building. Yeah. But, you know, the the past uh, renters, you know, there's some there's some garbage all around it. There's there's a lot that can be done that doesn't have to be specific, you know, cleaning up the the toxic, mm-hmm. you know, asbestos. It's like there's just good cleanup that needs to be done around there. This is in our community. It's our only mm-hmm. historic building in our community. Yes. And we just think it needs to have some attention. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's all we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Well, good for you. And I <laughs> I commend I commend your your effort for sure. Clarify something else for me. It's my understanding that the property was supposed to become part of Clallam Bay Spit Community Beach County Park. That's a lot of words in that name. That was supposed to be part of this county park. But mm-hmm. am I right in saying that the transfer hasn't still hasn't actually happened? I mean, that the inclusion in the park hasn't actually happened? Or how can you explain that? Uh, well, the, the building, as far as what I could hear from the Coast Guard, is the building cannot be transferred until... Um, all the toxic, they can't transfer a toxic property. Right. So they come up with the money and it's low on their priority right now to come up with, you know, so it could take years. But we, we are working with Patty Murray's office and Derek Kilmer's office and this, you know, that this, and they, they, they're ready to put it into package it into some kind of bill and get it passed by the spring. So this kind of is part of the whole, package that we're talking here we're we're talking about it becoming part of the county park but uh-huh. possibly also being leased to your your organization mm-hmm. um, the, and you would work with the county to preserve yeah. the the house so yeah that's yeah so that's all part of the the package yes. that we're, we're working towards um trying to get this lease so that we can can actually get feet on the ground <laughs> and uh and work on it gathering historic material we want to use this as we want to eventually have it be a museum you know maybe a living museum and one half of the deuce plaques we want it to house not only native american material but marine material logging history i mean there's a lot to do with this this absolutely yeah Certainly the history of the light station itself, of course, would be part of that. But yeah, that, that was my next question. I was going to ask you if there were plans to make it into a museum. I knew that there was talk of that. Yeah, we yeah. want to rebuild the, the original. We have the blueprints to rebuild the original uh, lighthouse. And, you know, we just we just can't wait. <laughs> yeah. So I know it's a step at a time. And the, the sometimes the first step is the hardest. <laughs> I know that from experience. Uh-huh. But you are eventually hoping to rebuild the the lighthouse building. Right? Oh yes, yeah. that's definitely part of our plans. 
Yeah. yeah, that was part of what um, one of our past county commissioners, Mike Doherty, had worked on. And, and we have the cost materials and the new plans drawn up to make a replica. Mm-hmm. And that was 20, 20 years ago. Wow. So <laughs> if I, I was going to say if it's rebuilt, but I'll say when it's rebuilt, will it be in the same position, same location as it was originally or would it be in a slightly different place? A different place. Yeah. Yeah. More safe I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming probably closer to the yeah. keepers. Someplace a little more accessible to everybody, I would think. It's a fifth of a mile that was uh-huh. at walkway. So if you were to put the uh, a replica lighthouse back there, you would have to rebuild a fifth of a mile walkway, and that would be daunting in mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. Plus, just the inconvenience if you have uh, it open to visitors or whatever, it's more work to, and then you have to worry if a storm hits and d- yeah. damages the walkway and everything else. So, yes. yeah, it would make sense to not put it there. The <laughs> modern tower that replaced the lighthouse, that doesn't exist anymore, right? Or, or does it? No, they put a light on a buoy. Right. You know, just off the point. There's not a fog signal, operating fog signal there, right? No, there used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we used it was to like a, It's like a Beulah sound. Beulah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was also seeing, I believe, mostly on your Facebook page, that there's another effort you're involved in besides everything to do with the lighthouse and the keeper's house, uh, an effort to fix a bridge, a, a beach access bridge. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I just figured since we were going to be working on this, we should start working on a park. We already have a Qualm County park that's already established and it's right in the middle of our drive through town and it's got public bathrooms and a beautiful wooden bridge, but it hasn't had the actual ramp for a number of years. So most of our visitors can't access the beach from Mm -hmm our beach access spot. And so we're working with the Clown County Parks Department in just nudging them that, you know, we need this done too. Sure. Some attention to be brought to Clown Bay, the small little town. It's a jewel. It's beautiful, but it's, it's become kind of just a drive through town at this point. Well, I think you're going to change that. Yeah, I hope so. The issue with the, the bridge is that it crosses the river and to the sand spit that's beyond there. And the river channel changes every year. So sometimes, and for a long time, the bridge went across and there was a lot of stuff going on on, on the spit. The spit is now shrunken. Everything that was structure is gone now. Mm-hmm. And the river keeps changing. And so it's like whack-a-mole or something, you know, <laughs> How much here? Yeah. How much more? You know, to to actually reach so people can have access. Well, that sounds like a, a worthy effort as well. So uh, you have a Facebook page, right? Yes, we do. Which is uh, under what uh, name? Uh, Kuala Bay Slip Point Lighthouse Keepers. Mm-hmm. And we're picking up. There's a lot of I'm going through and vetting. You know followers and picking people that I think are real and part of the community. So that's (laughs) That's... been a little bit of work to, uh, to keep it local and, and, you know, network with people. And so it's creating an interest. And I think it is creating a little bit of a storming in the community that people will start Mm -hmm. to get excited. 
Yeah, I was looking at the Facebook page and you definitely have a, a good amount of interest there. And uh, one of the hardest things about Facebook is telling who, what, which people are real or, or not. I've uh, experienced a lot of that as well. So if people uh, want to help, whether they're uh, in your area or not, you know, people listening might think, wow, this is a, a good effort. I'd like to help them move forward. What can people do to find out more and to get involved? We would like somebody who has already done this <laughs> with the Coast Guard of trying to get a lease. Um, to maybe give us some pointers or to, you know, I, we keep feeling like we're reinventing the wheel here. And I think, if, you know, since it's already been done, what are we, what are we needing to do to make this move forward mm -hmm. with the Coast Guard? So if anybody's out there. <laughs> yeah. And also liking Facebook page, because Eventually, we will become nonprofit, I believe, and we will um, be applying for grants and looking, you know, doing fundraisers and um, other really cool things that other lighthouses are doing. Everything well, on hold, though, until yeah. the Coast Guard does the hazardous materials abatement. It has been on hold for so many years that we are growing gray and exhausted, <laughs> you know. Yep. I mean, Congress passed the authorization in 2021. No, 20, 2001. Yes. And then, so that's 22 years ago. 22 years ago. And nobody's moved off the dime since then. And it is just maddening. Yeah. And that's why we're, we're calling, you know, Patty Murray's office and, you know, trying to get this ball moving and packaged and approved. I love what you're saying, Susan, though. I think you're absolutely right. You, uh, you don't want to try to reinvent the wheel. And there are people who've gone through similar processes. And I may have a suggestion for you, but I'll do it uh, okay. off mic here. So, uh, But I definitely, I definitely have something I want to recommend to you. Let me ask you a real general question. This is for any or all of you. Uh, why does this, why is this property important to the community? Why does why does the keeper's house and the history of the place need to be saved? It's, a, it's been an amazing community in the past. I have a lot of information just recently gathered from 1892, which was before the uh, lighthouse uh, was ever built. And the, the energy of the community back then, you can just see it. And there are amazing stories to be told about all of the people who lived here then. And, and I, th I think we have a history that is kind of unequaled in, in the area. It's, it's a beautiful location and, and a unique location. Uh, and I just think our history should be available to other people to know. Absolutely. This is a part of our community that has been blocked off. Ah, oh, yes. Basically, for over forty years, as long as I've lived here, and for and for us to change that mindset in the county, we're just this little tiny community out here, and it's really hard to change the mindset of even the people in town. <laughs> you know, like, oh, we can't do that. So, um, I would like to see you know that change. And then to see how our community can blossom with this in our back pocket. 
Mm -hmm. And bring something, you know, wonderful with it instead of how it's been used. Yes. Well, I just, I want to see it, it preserved and so it can be appreciated from, you know, now on and for families to, to be able to appreciate the history of the area they're visiting. There, there's more to it than the history, too, because uh, as a marine area, it has tremendous uh, sea life and they have classes that come out from universities and do studies here. And so, you know, there's there's just a lot to it. And the huge beach starting at Swift Point and going all the way to CQ, mm-hmm. it's it's amazing amazing resource if we can only get the pieces <laughs> together yeah yeah well you've convinced me and i'm glad you mentioned that because the the natural environment is a big would have to be a big component in all this and uh, i imagine that might end up being a component of the museum uh, down the road uh, yeah. but what a what a great thing for local school kids to come and learn about the history there as well as the the marine life the wildlife and the environment there so it's a, got the whole package for sure mm-hmm. i have one final question and this, this again is for all three of you and this is for bonus points okay <laughs> and the final question is uh what i know uh it's frustrating i know that for sure i understand that but i'm sure there's positive aspects too to this project what has been, uh, what have you enjoyed most? What has been your favorite part of uh, your uh, effort to preserve Slip Point Light Station and its history? I think for me, it has been the networking and um, seeing how other people's skills can bring to this dream. And as of right now, I'm, I, you know, got an email uh, from Al. He's an architect who preserves historical uh, buildings in LA. And he used to work for, he's hired uh, Coast Guard. And he is so excited about doing pro bono, you know, drawing this up for us and helping us figure this out. And that's exciting. And then just to see everybody's skills and, and interest and how it kind of is coming together until we hit a wall. But <laughs> <laughs> I've been enjoying this process a more I started this kind of on my own a year ago, and then I realized I needed some support. And so finding people in the community that felt just as passionate as I did and working with my daughter, who is like this, it's she's, it's like having a, you know, a super person right next to me who does the things that I can't do, like Facebook and, <laughs> and uh, email. <laughs> Zoom. Yeah, so it's been fun right. working with, uh, with them and, and her in particular. How about you, Carolyn? Well, I'm I'm fascinated by the history and and just being involved in this has helped me uh, deepen my understanding of what actually took place there. And I want I want to know more. Um, and I I just I feel like it's a magical place, really. There is something about the location that is just so special. And I would like more people to know that yeah. it's there. Yeah, have it open. Yeah. A park. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've co- totally sold me. I wish I had some power to do something about this. But <laughs> anyway, it's a worthy project. There's no doubt about that. And uh, I commend you on on uh, moving forward, not 
not giving up because it is it is going to happen. Uh, just oh. hang hang in there. Yeah, uh, it's really a great project. So I, I want to thank you so much for spending this time with me today, uh, Sarah and Susan and Carolyn. I really appreciate it. It's been fun talking with you. I'm going to follow this project closely, and maybe we can talk again sometime. Uh, give us a status report, and I'm uh, hoping there'll be plenty of good news when we do that. So thank you so much. Sure. You can read more on the Facebook page for the Clallam Bay Slip Point Lighthouse Keepers. There are historic photos of the light station and reports on the group's activities. Even though the lighthouse no longer stands at Slip Point, I really think the restoration of the Keeper's House is a worthy project and that it can be a centerpiece of that community. I also believe they will succeed in their goal of rebuilding the lighthouse in the not-too-distant future. Now we're going to do something a little different. I was digging through my old lighthouse digital files and I found some clips from around 1990 related to the old Lovells Island Range Light Station uh, in Boston Harbor. It's a light station that no longer exists. Michelle, please help me tell everyone about Lovells Island. I'd be glad to. Lovells Island is about three quarters of a mile long and one third of a mile wide. It's in Boston Harbor, about seven miles from Boston, close to the main shipping channel. In the early 20th century, the island became home to Fort Standish. Going back to the 1700s, a large tree on the island served as a day beacon for mariners entering Boston Harbor. In the early 1900s, the opening of the Broad Sound Channel created a need for a new system of navigational aids to direct traffic into the inner harbor. A range light station was established on Lovells Island in 1903 with two conical wooden lighthouse towers. The rear light was 40 feet tall and the front light was 31 feet tall. Charles Jennings became the keeper at Lovells Island in 1919. He had previously served at Thatcher Island, Monomoy Point, and Boston Light. We know a lot about the Jennings family's years at Lovells Island, thanks to a book written by his son, Harold, called A Lighthouse Family. Harold Jennings served in the Navy in World War II and later worked as a plumber on Cape Cod. He was instrumental in the formation of the Nosset Light Preservation Society in East Ham on Cape Cod in the 1990s. He passed away in 1996, but I was lucky enough to know Harold, and several times I visited Lovells Island with him and other people from the Friends of the Boston Harbor Islands. I'm going to play a few clips from those visits. Michelle, please help me introduce the first clip. Sure. While digging in his garden, keeper Charles Jennings would occasionally find an old tarnished coin. The oldest of the European coins he found dated to 1600. The historian Edward Rose Snow speculated that the keeper had unearthed some of the treasure from the Magnifique, a 74-gun French man-of-war wrecked on the island in 1782. One of the times I walked around Lovell's Island with Harold Jennings, he actually had some of those coins with him. So here he is talking about them. Uh, in this uh, clip you're going to hear, you're, you're going to hear a lot of background noise, but I think you can understand everything Harold is saying. Back in the, in the 30s, my father, you know, lighthouse keepers were only allowed 14 days leave. And of the 14 days that they were on leave, uh, the government paid to send a substitute. And that was the only time of year they could have a substitute. Well, my father had been out in the garden, he found a coin. And there was a good-sized hole there. And so when the assistant came on the station, he looked down, he said, what's the hole out there, child? And he said, well, I found a coin, and I was just looking around to see if there was any more. 
So when the assistant keeper left, they parted ways at the pier, and when Dad got back up to the house, he looked out in the yard, and there's a bigger hole. And the story goes, as Edward Rose now said, that about a month later, the assistant keeper retired. In this next clip, Harold explains why he didn't go swimming much at Lovell's Island. Now the sun's on the sand. When the sand comes in, the water was usually warm. And if we did any swimming, that's when we did it on a day like this. Otherwise, you didn't swim. It turned blue in five minutes. Cold. Water's are cold out here. And friends of mine used to come and say, Oh, you're lucky you live on an island. You can go swimming. Well, I say, go ahead and find out. Next, here's a clip of Harold talking about his school years. See, I went my first grade in Hull, then my second grade in South Boston, third grade in Eden Boston, fourth grade in Salem, and fifth and grade uh, on the island here. We had a private teacher. But I hated that because I could hear my father moving around and I could hear the boats going by and I was distracted. In the last clip, Harold talks about an old underground military tunnel at Lovell's Island. They were hinged on on each side. You open, they creaked like a, you know, the old mysteries, you know. So uh, they go in, and you go in about 10 or 15 feet, and then you make a right-hand turn, and you go for about another 10 or so feet, and it goes down, and it goes down here, and it goes down and right out to the waterfront, right out on the beach. You used to be able to see the dome on it, out there on the beach. Well, Edward Rose and I was, come on with me, come on. We'd be squatting down like this, and... He'd have the light and he'd put the light out and us kids would scream. <laughs> it's spooky on there. Those clips of Harold Jennings are short, but to me they're like treasure. I wish I could have recorded a lot more of his memories. Harold Jennings' book, A Lighthouse Family, was republished by the Friends of the Boston Harbor Islands a few years ago. You can contact them about getting a copy, and it's also available on Amazon. Be sure to check out uslhs.org to learn about upcoming tours and events, preservation grants, the passport program, the research catalog, and everything else the Society offers. Remember that donations and memberships help support this podcast. To everyone out there who works to preserve lighthouses or any kind of history, thanks for everything you do. We're all on the same team. On next week's episode of Lighthearted, we'll hear a conversation with my good friend Bob Trapani, the executive director of the American Lighthouse Foundation, about Maine Open Lighthouse Day, an event that's coming up soon. Until then, to all our regular listeners and our new ones, thanks so much for listening and keep a good light. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. All in my shine all in my house I'm gonna let it shine all in my house I'm gonna let it shine let it shine let it shine let it shine